0: To the ambitious new manager, the big question is this, what does it take to be a great manager? Well, great managers know how to motivate and build a great team. Great managers know how to win trust and respect, make an impact and achieve their goals. And great managers get promoted again and again, and they make more money because of it. So how do managers like you, who are bootstrapping your own careers, join their club? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name's Michael Barrel and welcome to Making a Manager. I hope you're doing well, friends. Thanks for tuning in to my little wireless program. If you're new here, welcome. I'm Michael Barrel, host of this here podcast. Thanks a bomb for joining me. I really appreciate it. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episodes that I've got coming your way. And if you've listened before, well, welcome back, friends. Super appreciate you as always. Alright, let's get into the episode. Do you want to know what a key requirement is for the success of your team and for your business in general? Well, it's getting your employee reward structure right. Now, managers are bombarded with advice about pay, but the unfortunate thing is that most of that advice is wrong. Maybe we already knew it, but employees form a major part of the value of a business. And if that's the case, which it is, then it becomes pretty obvious that employee well-being and governance of human capital overall needs to become and remain top priorities from middle management all the way through to the C-suite, board and remuneration committees. But here's the problem. Getting employee rewards and remuneration isn't just about making sure it's consistent with your local minimum awards or workplace bargaining agreements, and it isn't just about ensuring that the strategy or policy and outcomes of your pay packets support the overarching needs of your business. While all that's critical, if you want your people and your business to truly succeed, then getting the most out of your people requires a little more than that. So here's what I want you to do. Either now or when you next get round to updating the pay packets for your employees, I want you to start thinking about employee rewards and compensation packages in terms of how it relates to your most important employee well-being metrics, the metrics that truly impact your employee rewards agenda. In other words, is your remuneration strategy walking hand in hand with your employee well-being strategy, or is it diametrically opposed to employee well-being? Now, don't worry. Firstly, this isn't stuff that's complicated. Secondly, I'm not just about to say, start paying your people more. Quite the opposite, actually. Plus, I've got a nifty little framework to guide you along the way. So, to help you get started, here's nine metrics that I want you to consider when setting up your employee rewards packages. Nine metrics to help you find that sweet spot to ensure that you aren't underpaying or overpaying your employees. And while I go through these, try and keep this in mind. It's an eternal truth. Pay cannot substitute for a working environment high on trust, fun and meaningful work. In other words, a fat pay packet with a shitty workplace culture will not get you the same efficiency and productivity outcomes for your business as a fair pay packet and a healthy culture. So with that said, let's begin. First up is workplace security. Do your employees feel safe and reasonably secure at work? Do they have available to them what they need to thrive? If yes, fantastic. This immediately forms part of your rewards package and means that you don't have to try and financially compensate your people for working in a place that won't let them thrive. The second metric is workforce competence. Do you provide to your people the opportunity to learn and master new skills and capabilities to perform in their current roles, to grow in their careers, and to remain employable despite changes in the future of their work? If yes, again, that's great. If your business legitimately fosters employee growth and development, then that's a big tick of approval from your employees, and they'll thank you for it by accepting compromises in other areas of your reward structure. Healthy company culture is the third metric. Are your people treated with dignity and respect? Is your culture inclusive and does it promote diversity? Is there an appropriate balance between performance expectations and developmental opportunities? Does your culture promote excessive risk-taking or other behaviours that might be detrimental to the company and its stakeholders? Does your culture support the right balance of risk tolerance for innovation? Metric number four is leadership. Do your leaders lead with integrity? Do they act ethically? Do they strive to inspire your employees to do the same? Do your leaders communicate with transparency? And are those communications consistent with the intended purpose, values, and culture within your business? Strong and effective leadership is critical for strong and effective teams. Without it, your employees suffer, and that will ultimately form a shortfall that you'll need to compensate for in your employee reward structure down the track. Metric number five is physical and emotional well-being. Here, you need to be able to gauge what the physical and emotional well-being of your employees is and what direction it's going in. How are your people managing stress in the workplace? Next up is financial well-being. Here, you want to know how confident your employees feel in their ability to provide for themselves and for their dependents, both now and into the future. Are your people able to accumulate savings at a reasonable rate? Can your people expect to retire at an acceptable age? Well, for more on financial well-being, try and check out last week's episode, How to Boost Employee Financial Well-Being Even If You're the Well-Being Grim Reaper, for our Financial Well-Being Deep Dive. Another metric you want to keep tabs on is number seven, purpose and autonomy. Are your people able to find meaning in their work? Do they sense that their personal purpose or mission aligns with that of the companies? Now, autonomy is a big one. If you've been listening to me for a while, then you'll probably know that autonomy or job control forms one of the two big essentials for employee well-being, the other being social support. Okay, now for metric eight is empowerment and enablement. To what extent do you provide the tools, training, technology and opportunities to your people that allow them to unlock their potential? And finally, metric nine is, of course, return on investment. What is the payoff for the different aspects of your award structure? Can you demonstrate greater productivity, collaboration, creativity, innovation, sales, new product development, or lower employee turnover? What is the impact on financial performance, value creation, and shareholder return for the various aspects of your employee compensation scheme? If there are features of your employee rewards system that do not demonstrate sufficient ROI, then stop throwing money down the toilet and stop offering them. Now, I've mentioned nine metrics that really should form the starting blocks of any conversation about structure of employee rewards. I just want to throw in a quick side note here. Among the absolute ton of other stuff, my free masterclass titled How to Create and Launch a Profitable Workplace Wellbeing Program from Scratch, which I'll be holding on March 23, will go into this stuff in depth. We'll look at all the metrics that your business needs and how to measure them to be able to launch an effective and profitable workplace wellbeing program. If that interests you, then you need to head over to michaelbarrel.com forward slash group and sign up. I'm holding my training in the Workplace Wellbeing Made Easy Facebook group. So that's where the link will take you. I'll throw the link in the show notes for you. Okay, back on with the show. Now, just to make sure that my message here is clear on this whole rewards metrics business, let's take a bird's eye view. Imagine your employees rocking up to a workplace that scores highly on all of the metrics that I've just been through. They feel safe and secure at work. They have legitimate opportunities to learn and master new skills. They are treated with respect and dignity inside a culture that is inclusive and promotes diversity. Their leaders act ethically and with integrity. They are physically, emotionally and financially well. They find meaning and purpose in their work. And they have access to the tools, training and technology required to reach their potential. Now you tell me, if your employee has all of that, keeping in mind that we haven't even mentioned pay packets yet – then do you think that their ultimate remuneration will be front and centre on their mind? Of course not. Why? Because only a tiny fraction, or more likely none, of your competitors do this. And your employees know that. And they will thank you for it by being more open-minded when considering your award structure. So in essence, when you score highly on these nine metrics... You give your employee compensation structure room to be flexible, room to adapt to the changing needs of your business, and room to survive when, say, your business is hit with revenue or cost pressures. I'm telling you right now, any compensation package that you ultimately offer to your employees will matter a lot less in their minds when they are considering whether to come on board with you, to stay with you, or to refer other candidates to you if you can manage to get these nine metrics right. Now, I know that some of you might want to hit back at me and say that salary or monetary bonuses and the like are huge motivators. Well, I'm telling you right now that they're not. I'm going to go into this more in next week's episode, but here's the thing about pay. It doesn't motivate people. If you look all the way back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs... All the way through to just about every other peer-reviewed piece of research since, behavioural economics consistently tells us that pay or salary is what you call a hygiene factor. Your workplace either provides fair pay for a fair day's work or it doesn't. It's black and white. Employees either accept it or they don't. It's a precondition for your employees being willing to work for you in the first place. Moving up from hygiene factors like salary are motivation factors like acceptance, inclusion, recognition, responsibility, opportunity for advancement, and room for creativity. These are the factors that motivate people, not pay. So once an employee has their base needs met through their hygiene factors, like pay, then they have the bandwidth to become motivated by the application of motivation factors. Anyway, that's a slightly longer story, and it's one that I'll pick up in more depth next week. Right now, while it's fresh in your mind, go to makingamanager.com. That's makingamanager.com. On that webpage, you'll see that I'm giving away my complete employee feedback swipe file. No, this isn't some kind of clearance of old stuff that's no good. This is a swag of full-fledged, really helpful, evidence-based rules and tactics built specifically for managers like you who want to become more persuasive and effective at giving feedback and having difficult conversations with your employees. Download and copy these plug-and-play templates in the order that I deliver them to you. And I sincerely believe that if you implement what I share with you, then this year will be fantastic. Again, it's completely free. There are no tricks to this offer, by the way. Go to makingamanager.com and get it while the getting's good. And that's a wrap. Now go on, get out there and kick some ass. Stay awesome and thanks for listening.